So I was lucky enough to catch up with John Liu while he was in town for the MVP summit two weeks ago. I didn't initially plan on publishing this until I kind of got the rest of my ducks in a row around how we're relaunching this podcast. But the content's so good and it is timely. And I wanted to make sure it got out there because John put effort into kind of meeting me early at breakfast before he got the bus up to Redmond to meet all the other MVPs and hear all the NDA secret discussions. John does a really good job of explaining as a developer with a background in SharePoint development, how he uses Microsoft Flow and the benefits he gets from the platform. So uh, definitely worth a listen. And uh, I'll have more news about how this podcast is going to play out in the future. Okay, so I've just broken into John's room in the Marriott in uh, Bellevue and uh, woken him up, got him out of bed. (laughs) He's got dressed. and We're about to record a podcast on Microsoft Flow. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I waited in reception until he was ready. But um, welcome, John. Hello. Hi, Jeremy. Um, are you jet lagged still or are you? No, not after f- five days. So now you're going to go home and be jet lagged when you get back to Australia? Yes. I and don't I will totally not have Saturday. You know the trick to getting over jet lag? Just don't sleep and continue the next day. Have an eight month old child on your lap <laughs> for the infl- entire <laughs> flight home. <laughs> That'll get you over jet lag because when you get back to Australia or when you land home in Seattle, you'll be so tired that all you want to do is sleep. That's exactly how I did it. It's brutal. But I have an extra five hours jump than you because I have to go over to the West Coast. Right, right. Do you fly through LA? I fly through LA and then... Straight down to... Straight to Sydney, yes. Have you always lived in Sydney? I've... uh for the last 20 odd years. Where where are you originally from? Someone actually asked me this the other day and I was like, I, I actually don't know. Right. I was originally from Taiwan and right. I learned English the American way. And then I went to New Zealand. I was in New Zealand for about eight years. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So my English is all messed up. My pronunciation, I don't actually know how to pronounce words. Do you, how do you say S-I-X? That's a trick question. <laughs> no, seriously. I work it's, with a Kiwi. Uh, six. Okay. You say it the British way. Yeah. Kiwis go six. So it sounds like S-E-X. It could be the 20 years of being Australian. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, that didn't really, I mean, I was only there nine years. It didn't really affect me too much. Right. But, okay. So do you go home a lot or not? Taiwan. Oh, no, hardly. I don't really go back. No. It's, uh... A few relatives there, but yeah. we connect more just online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some mm. relatives are best to mm. be left just online. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of people ask me to get you on the show to talk about Microsoft Flow. Right. And um, you dominate social networks with Flow. Um, okay. I actually really like following along and the banter that you have with other people using Flow. Right. Like Paul Comsey, who's over in Perth, that, you know, I know very well. Mm. How did you get into Flow? What made you, like, what's your background to be, I would define you as a, one of the ex- experts in the community on Flow. Like, how did you get there? What made you start looking at it? Right. So I didn't come to Flow because I was looking for a workflow solution. Yeah. I was, um, so, you know, I, my background being a developer, I wanted to run code against Office 365. Um, and then... Uh, a few years ago, we started having... Actually, it's because of you, Jeremy. It's so my when, fault. Well, no, a blessing, fault. <laughs> um, no, when when you were working on the Azure Functions team, yeah, 
I was looking at it thinking, oh, what's this new beta stuff? You know, and, and we still had that thing where mm, Microsoft's V1 product, maybe I shouldn't touch it. Yeah, right. Um, and, and at the time, Functions was in beta as well. So mm-hmm. that was in preview. But I was looking at it and I realized, hey, this is a great way to solve my problem, which is I just want to run little bits of reactive code, like mm-hmm. event receiver or some sort of schedule thing. I don't want to pay for a VM. Most of the time, it's not running. Uh, that's really where I came from. So I I was quite happy writing webhooks, calling Azure Function, um, and, and do it that way. But um, I needed to find some way to change my function. I don't know. So when, when one function finishes, I want to run another one. Yeah. That's when I started looking at tools like, um, like an orchestration product a serverless orchestration product yeah i was looking at logic apps mm-hmm. and um and while looking at that i also look at flow because flow has some nice uh, out-of-the-box triggers for sharepoint and it's actually not clear to default i think it's not clear to developers on one side and to power users on the other side that Logic Apps and Flow are actually the same product. They're just two facets of the same engine. It's like a different skin running on the same platform. Yes, yes. Um, So underlying it is just a a workflow or orchestrator engine that runs these steps. Uh, There are failover conditions. If a a step had failed, do you want to go into uh, remediation or do you want to just fail the whole thing? in logic apps, everything is represented as underneath the hood. Everything is JSON. Right? That's how data flows through the system. That's how the definition defines which action to take next. It's almost like when we're in SharePoint Designer, underneath the hood, everything is XML. Right? Yeah, like yeah. That, that same idea. Um, so uh, in logic apps, it's very easy to just switch into JSON view, and in fact. Uh, Anytime you can't do something in the editor, you will just go into JSON view and just start typing. Oh, right. So you have got that ability to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then in the flow side, I think it's a very deliberate choice by the flow team not to show that JSON view. I think they will probably never show it. scare them away a bit. Yeah. So when Logic Apps first came out about a year before Microsoft Flow, um, I think quite a few of us looked at it back then and... The non-developers looked at it and said, well, that's all JSON. That's like, yeah, that's that's code, right? There's yeah. this idea of no code that you're trying to reach, but JSON is code. And then maybe in, in the middle, some people define a low code kind of level mm-hmm. um, and depends on where you are. Like, And also I think JSON is even more scary than, say, XML for a lot of people. Could be, yes. Um, you know, honestly, like moving out of the developer space a bit now i've been like i'm more of a product manager and even when i was in marketing like i didn't have to touch json that much in the work i was doing right and it's kind of become almost the norm now over xml and i look at it sometimes with some of the stuff we're debugging at work and it's like wow this is this is different like it takes a little bit of a while for your eye to kind of get used to the syntax of it over xml and for a business power user i'm sure it's totally overwhelming i mean sure xml probably is as well Mm. So would you say it's fair to say that Logic Apps is like if I was in SharePoint and I was building a workflow in Visual Studio yeah, and SharePoint Designer and I have to shudder 
every time I mention that word, SharePoint Designer Workflow is essentially what Microsoft Flow is that's based for power users. Like, yeah, so so where they're trying to target, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when I look at, and and yeah, so when I look at these two products, I see them as pretty much the same thing. There are some differences in some connectors or or uh, actions available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably more going to the spectrum of uh, capabilities that, that they will cover. In the Logic Apps side, you have, uh, you, you can extend into an Azure integration account and that covers a lot of the BizTalk scenarios. Right. So the whole BizTalk product essentially is in that area. Right, and that team is in that engineering yes, team yes. in Microsoft as well. Yeah. And you're dealing with, you know, large volume, bulk data processing, lots of, text files, XML, JSON, moving between systems. So if they're on the same platform and a connector or an action that connects to a particular system is in one, mm-hmm. right, it's in flow, can you use it in Logic Apps as well? Yes, okay. most of the time. Is yeah. there a grow-up story that they promised for ages with Visual Studio Workflow to SharePoint Designer Workflow where someone could build a SharePoint Designer Workflow as a prototype, like a power user, yep. and then put their hands up and go, I give up, this is too hard. I need a real developer to kind of do the final 20%. If someone does that in Flow, can they hand it to Logic Apps person? They could, actually. So in Flow, there is a small menu. You could uh, export the Flow. That that just exports as a zip file. Yeah. So you can import it into another environment. Um, Oh, that's nice. And you could also export JSON, and that will give you the Logic Apps definition. Right. And then you you can take that into Logic Apps and just create a new... Uh, new, new logic app, uh, new logic app, and just apply that. So you said that you were using Flow after initially using Logic Apps. What made you switch to Flow versus using Logic so, Apps? Um, There's a good, funny story. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, um, it's to do with how they build. So both are kind of serverless. You don't pay when they're not running. Yeah. Um. Logic Apps is built per number of action, per step. Right. And each one is very, very low, like less than a cent, each mm-hmm. one, like 0.01 cent. Um, and, but so, so that's how Logic Apps are built, by number of blocks inside your... So uh, every time it runs, if there's 10 actions, it's yeah, charging then it counts 10. a cent as 10, 10 times that. Yeah. And then on, it won't be 10 cents, it'll probably be it less than a cent mm-hmm. or up. Uh, but you have to consider if you're going to loops, then that's, that's it's get pricey. more. That's more. Um, uh, on the flow side, you are counted per execution of the entire flow. Yeah. And then uh, you're given some free allowance that the complete free account is 750 runs a month. Mm-hmm. And then the Office 365 and Dynamics customers they have 2,000 runs per month. Is that for the whole tenant or for each user? It's for per user. So okay. if you have 10 users in your tenant, you, you get 10 times that. So you have uh, 20,000 per if, month. if one user chews up 20,000... Yes, then you will have to... You'll get a warning and then you'll have to quickly bump one of the users to plan one or plan two. So where where do they sell this? Is there an admin console? Somewhere? There is a there is an admin console for all the flow 
So there's analytics into what flows are running. Oh, nice. Flows that run way too much. And um, uh, there, yeah, there, there are a few triggers that could cause the flow to run too much. One of it is the schedule trigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, my, in my early days playing with flow, that was one of the areas I did. I'm sure I'm not the only person. Um, when you create, you know, it, it's like you, you want to test a flow. So you just create a flow and you don't really know what trigger to use. So you say, well, maybe I'll just use this schedule trigger. I just run once and I just want to see my flow run. Yeah. And, um, and then you save it and you forget and you walk away. The default on a schedule trigger is five minutes. So it just keeps triggering. Oh, nice. I can get that ramp out pretty quick. Right. So, so you know, you I I, I uh, recommend that people that are playing with Flow, uh, especially if it's your personal tenant or if you have access to the admin console, to just drop by periodically. Just check it out. Yeah, just have a quick look. Keep an eye on what the, the number look like. There is a progress bar right at the top that t- tells you you know how far into your total runs you're, so you're going. A, so for the people that have flows on something coming into their inbox, or like you're going to hit that pretty hard quick. Like I get, yeah, I think lot, if you I have definitely a, get more than two thousand emails in a in a month. You trigger a flow per. Well, that's like some of the scenarios you read on blogs, right? Right. Uh. So you're going to hit that pretty quick. You would, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So your decision between... So you're probably eating up your tenants' runs. Yeah, that's, right. that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, the So that's interesting. So you chose logic uh, Flow over Logic Ads primarily because of the fact that you get kind of built-in yes. subscription yeah. benefits by being an Office 365 or a Dynamics 365 customer. Yeah. That's cool. But I think it's also related to uh, what type of solution you're building. If you're ISV or if I'm building out a product where I'm selling across tenants, yeah, that's true. You'd probably I would do, it the other I way. do a logic apps, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. they're paying me to run my service. Yeah. I would then just pay the logic apps consumption. Whereas if I'm building a very specific application just for one tenant, mm-hmm. then no, just use your runs, right? Like yeah, that makes I'm sense. building it for your tenant only. And that's what I tend to see with you know, Microsoft Flow used in specific tenants. You may export them out and then take a copy of it to use in a different tenant for a different customer. Uh, but those are considered completely separate setups. And Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, I, I'm guessing the way you discover it was the Azure Functions team, well, they were, but they still are because they've all moved to Advanta now, which is kind of like where people get exiled at Microsoft from the Redmond campus. Hmm. Um, it's in a different building. I don't know if you've been there yet, but it's not as pleasant as the Redmond campus. Oh, this is because they re, uh, they're all jazzing up the buildings and right, things. right. The new campus that they want to build. That's right. So, um, James Phillips org, which owns all those things in inside of Microsoft has logic apps flow and Azure functions in the same building. Okay, cool. Now I'm guessing because you're a dev and you're a coder, that you're using functions in flow. Is that right? Yeah. So, so can you talk more about that? So um, uh, I think because I'm a developer, I always have the way to say, hey, this action is not available or it's not working the way I expect. I could just switch to functions for this one step. Yeah. Um, 
and the the usage of how I'm using it is similar to um, uh, I have friends that use Amazon Web Services AWS and they run a lot of Lambda mm-hmm. and then they they come to me uh, uh, Amazon Lambda is like our Azure functions and they they one day a friend uh, contacted me and said wow we got this crazy thing it's called uh, AWS Step Functions it's like this JSON workflow orchestrator that lets me hang off all my functions and my function fails it will do the retry and you know help me set up these chains of functions and create loops and even do approvals yeah and i was saying oh hey that's that's exactly what i was looking for when i was you know looking for and found flow yeah um the difference between the two products is that Flow has these out-of-the-box actions. We have 300 so now uh, connectors to all these different systems. So in a sense, in Flow, if you want a SharePoint trigger, you don't actually need to write that, right? If you want a uh, SharePoint activity to read a document and then copy it to another place, you don't need to write your own functions. You could just use the connectors in Flow. So we kind of have the orchestrator with a whole bunch of pre-built actions that you could just and so i guess uh, the theory you know i know devs like to build everything from scratch right um, there's work projects i've been on in perth where people will be like well you know i don't want to use this framework or sdk because sure. i can just build this in my own time and my code's gonna be way better than downloading this dll library and using using that i think those days are kind of going away in terms of the more reuse you get when you're using a product the more efficient you are yeah it's tested Hmm. it's cheaper it's quicker yeah it's a lot quicker if some other dev comes on the project they're more likely to have seen the out of the box stuff than they are your weird code that does the same thing Hmm. because i mean i'm guessing it's been a while since i've looked but there's a fair amount of sharepoint actions for uploading documents and those kind of things yeah so so as part of an orchestration you could use all the out of the box stuff to do the majority of it, and then where there's a gap, use a function to do that last bit. Yes. Yeah, that's how I've been doing it. But I've also noticed that, um, uh, and Paul Comsey as well. So I've, Paul Comsey already is quite familiar with PowerShell and PMP PowerShell. Yeah. So we were basically running, a lot of our functions were not C-sharp code. It's actually just PowerShell. Yeah, right. And PMP PowerShell encapsulates a lot, it sits on top of the SharePoint client-side library anyway. So it's sitting on top of all the goodness of the C-sharp libraries. Yeah. Uh, and then encapsulated into one or two commandlets. And then, I mean, that PowerShell right. library is heavily used as well. Like I yeah, know Owen started that, but it's open source now as part of PMP. There's heaps of stuff in there. Yeah, there's like 300 If you're listening, Paul, just because you write PowerShell doesn't mean you're a developer. <laughs> he also writes Swagger. Oh, he that's, has. That's crazy. He's got good swagger. You can, can't you generate swagger automatically? Not from within Flow. No, you but can't. in Logic Apps, <clears throat> there are uh, some ability to generate. And so what's an example that you can share that isn't breaking any customer NDAs or anything that, that you've built as a Flow? This is an example. So um, some of the... Uh, like some of the very common scenarios, and I, I, I'm not the only person building this, is using Flow to create Office 365 groups, right? And 
in the beginning, there are no connectors to do this. Yeah. Uh, so you could use Flow through its HTTP trigger to call. Well, in the beginning, you could just use Azure Functions, mm-hmm. right? Like, and and then later we worked out as we're getting better at Flow. Hey, we could use the HTTP request to call Azure AD, get the bearer token, and then make a second request to graph, and then. An overflow just for an action yeah, that you yeah. kind of so, configure the properties of. Yeah, so you oh, essentially nice. two HTTP actions with yeah. a bunch of variables. Uh, you could get the graph, of the 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 bearer token, and then who does that flow run as in that example? Well, um, <clears throat> if you're calling unattended, it's easier to use app only permissions. Yeah, because you just need a client ID and client secret. If you want to run, say, connect to Microsoft Graph as a particular user, you actually need to create a custom uh, connection. Mm-hmm. So that that's uh, complicated. It's more complicated. Yeah. But it lets you run with delegate permission. But then when you the first time you start that flow, you actually get the consent dialogue yeah, that says consent stuff. Yeah. Whereas if you're using app only, you can just grant it uh, via the admin. When you're registering at your AD portal, just grant. So in that scenario, what's calling the flow, passing it the the group name and whatever other settings for yeah. the group? Like what's the, what actually triggers the flow in the first place? Okay, so uh, th- this comes off that debate where there's some discussion about, hey, Microsoft made it too easy to create groups. Like that's out of the box. It's mm-hmm. quite easy to go and create a group. Yeah. But for many, many customers, that's a bit unmanaged because then they don't really have the tools on the other end to help monitor and keep track of what, what the groups are that are created. The, the group's life cycle, that's the idea that I think about it as this group life cycle management. Yeah. Um, that, and this is really at the beginning, right? Like, okay, if we were to say, just go to the admin center and turn off the ability for everyone to be able to cre- create groups everywhere, mm-hmm. that means we need to give them something like a list. They make a request. There might be a, there's approval on it. When that's approved, then the system account will create the group and then add that person in as the owner. Oh, okay, so you kind of right. have it trigger the flow on the approval yeah, yeah. The list item. Yeah, and then then you can kind of control it that way. Out of box connectors to create group. You don't really need to do the whole loop now. So there, there's that progression. In the beginning, you use an Azure function. Yeah. And if you're if you're a developer familiar with your two sets, that might be a lot easier. You yeah, just yeah, yeah. go to Azure function. Uh, but a lot of um, Pro users, that they, they think, hey, actually, for me, if I just make two HTTP requests, that's easy. I'll do that. Yeah, sure, because it's just quicker that way. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about getting approval to create Azure Function account. Sometimes mm-hmm. a company is slow to to make that happen. But, but it sounds like, unlike the days of SharePoint Designer, once you hit like the limitations of that designer and the actions that were available, mm. you were kind of hosed. And then mm. you'd have to go to Visual Studio workflow and yeah. build the workflow again from scratch and compile it and deploy it as a WSP and put it in your farm. Obviously, yeah. this is on-prem only. And even then, it was a lot of work. There wasn't very much crossover between the two. This sounds like you can get out of jail pretty quickly with a function 
and just yeah. have it available to the flow and use the flow. Yeah, you could get out with uh, with function, and I actually think anyone that could write that could use PowerShell uh, should definitely try it. Uh, I think developers are familiar with, you know, running my code, C sharp or Node.js, and put that in in the function and run it. But what I saw was a lot of uh, people that may have been developer at one point and they think, no, this there's no JS stuff. That's that's too new, mm-hmm. too advanced. What's this asynchronous C-sharp? There's too advanced. I, I, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they saw, hey, you know what? I could, I, I understand this PowerShell. It's four lines. Connect to SharePoint, uh, select a document library, iterate through the documents, you know, check their metadata or something. Yeah. Um, that's not a lot of lines. You could so, do that in PowerShell and then suddenly you have a function. Right, right. So do you find that this flow stuff, especially if it's on a schedule and it's not triggered, mm-hmm. is a genuine replacement for the good old SharePoint timer jobs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because so, you've got the ability to use app only to jump in and look at SharePoint or look yeah. at Planner or look at whatever else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good example I can give around that whole uh, Office 365 group management mm-hmm. scenario. So there's really two, in our clients, we have two ways that we do it. One is we lock down the creation. You get, need to get approval to create. Yeah. Another way is some clients still want the, you know, anyone could create, but we would just run either a, a, a schedule job reading the Microsoft Graph to say, hey, anytime, you know, and we could run this every, once every hour. Uh, and, you know, if you run the Delta query, if you see new groups, then write that to a SharePoint list, mm-hmm. right? So then you have an inventory of all the groups. Some of them might be teams, so you tag that as well. Okay, yeah, right. this is actually a team. This is not just a group, it's a team. And then now you have that data in a nice flat list, right? And then uh, beyond that, that's just the creation. And then you can look into, you know, hey, the last modified or... You know, if you run a job, say, monthly, you could say, hey, you know what? These groups are getting really old and the size of their document libraries has never changed for the last 12 months. Uh, the guy's not even here anymore, so the owner has left. So maybe there is a, it, it sets that role into like a, you know, there's some govern, there's some sort of maintenance that's needed on this group. Right, right. Either, you know, create a workflow that says we need to reassign the group to another owner or maybe we need to start thinking about archiving this group, yeah. put all the documents away, and then archive it. Um, Office 365 has a soft delete. So you could delete the group, and if people still want it, you can still pull it back for So for as an month. example, like the command to soft delete a group, is that an action in Flow yet? Or no, would that, no. you have to do something? No. Yeah. In Office 365, creating groups is very easy. Yeah. You can accidentally create groups <laughs> in many ways. Anything that's like uh, um, reading a whole list of your groups or or uh, deleting groups, those don't have actions yet. Right. So you're yeah. using functions to... I'm actually just using HTTP with graph. Oh, okay. To, to cool. I'm not even going yeah. that far with it. That's neat. Yeah. So, um, so it, sounds, it sounds like even if you went down this path, the 80-20 rule of, you know, like getting 80% of the way and then going, oh, damn, it doesn't do this thing. I'm stuck. I've got to go find something else to do this. There's definitely some ways around it. Mm. It's not a V1 product anymore. It's been out for 
quite a few years now. I don't know when it actually launched. It's been out for at least a year. Yeah. Over a year. So would you say it's not a V1 anymore? In the good old days of like kind of the way Microsoft is. And just for people listening, he's kind of looking, pondering to the sky, squinting I'm, his I'm eyes. I'm squinting. I'm thinking, like like you said earlier, because I'm a developer, I always have a back door. Yeah. So to me, it was not, um, uh, and there were, like the real stumbling blocks for me were when sometimes a trigger didn't run properly. That's tricky. Mm-hmm. Right, if an action doesn't run properly, okay, I just replace the action. You you just code the equivalent, yeah, and not yeah. out of the box action. Yeah, but if a trigger doesn't work, then say, like, oh, that's trickier. Yeah, right. So uh, you may need to hook into a webhook, or you might need to do a schedule with a delta delta query to check the thing. Yeah, instead, um, and and uh, and. What I really like also is in Microsoft Graph, there are a lot more webhooks. So in SharePoint days, we just have events on lists and documents, right? Right. So you can really only trigger work- workflows from these yep. uh, entities. But in the Microsoft Graph, you have all these other entities. You mm-hmm. could, you could, uh, you have uh, users and groups, and you have Delta queries on users and groups. So technically, you can get a event fire that could trigger a flow when someone's added to the org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when the group is added to the org. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you just yeah, register so the rather than to call the flow and then a flow triggers with that context. Right. Yeah, right. Nice. So, so uh, when when we get when we got uh, the webhook on groups working, then we no longer do that schedule polling because we know exactly when the group is created. Right. We just we just take that read that record then. So then for the we don't need to do it once an hour to check if there are new groups because we know when groups are created. So I guess for the devs listening, if there's power users that are thinking of using Microsoft Flow, I I'm reading that maybe there might be assistance needed if they the power users stumble on something in there because it gets to that point where it gets a bit too technical than simply just dragging and dropping actions on and getting it running. So I think there's definitely I, some simpler scenarios that flow just works for yeah. power users. Yeah. But it, I get the assumption that it'd be if you're in the Office 365 space and you're a dev, at some point in time, you're going to get handed someone's flow and go, I can't get this working or it's stuck and you're going to have to help them help them with it. Like, has that I, happened to you yet? So I, I think really flow targets... Flow is suitable for both type of users. A developer that may uh, want to invest some time and understand how to use it as a, you know, it's JSON based, so it's not code based. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to understand how that works, you get the benefit of all these out of the box um, connectors. But in between connectors, sometimes you need to change the parameters a little bit. So you do need to know the various expressions that are available in Flow. Yeah. And that it's in Flow and it's in Logic Apps. Basically, they are like functions. They are like nested functions. Um, so an example would be, say, if you want to add two numbers, you have to do add brackets, number one, comma, number two. Mm-hmm. And that's the syntax, right? Whereas someone new coming to this product, they think, okay, I just want to add two, two numbers. I just want to do number one plus number two. 
Mm-hmm. That's not actually a valid syntax. Right. So that kind of thing stumbles people. People are like, wow, this expression is really weird. Like, why is it like this? So is the doco pretty good though? So th- there is actually one documentation file. It's actually called uh, the name of that do- that document. And I'll give, and we'll have that link. Uh, it's called Logic Apps Workflow Definition. That's the title of that document. Yeah. It's a fairly long document. There's probably, it's on docs.microsoft.com. And uh, it's got probably, I'm going to roughly guess, 80, expression, 80, old, 80 expressions, 80 functions yeah. listed in there. Um, and describes in quite detail with examples on how to use most of them. So... And, and where I, is there I a, find, yeah. sorry, where is there a library of like sample flows to, I guess, give people inspiration on what's possible? Like you've mentioned a bunch of scenarios there around groups being created and um, users being onboarded and um, documents being approved. Like there must be some kind of recipe book of what's possible out there. I mean, is it your blog? Is it? Paul's blog is it some cool other guy's blog goals I think I think we're in a funny place where we're doing we're using HTTP to call graph directly mm-hmm. and uh, that means we use you know we're writing examples or demos with our client IDs and our client secrets yeah right in it exporting that so flow does have a public gallery and you could uh, submit your flow as an example. You say, hey, this is a really cool recipe. Yeah. I want to share it with everyone. Uh, that's really good, except if you're using your own client ID and client secret inside your flow. Right, right. Right, like, yeah. Um, uh, so that's why I don't think there are that many examples of these because in, of that in the public gallery. Um, I have thought about, because when, when I write out these steps in some of my blog posts, they are quite, tricky and I try to paste all the expressions but I often worry that a, a power user following along may struggle with an expression or they can't get it to work and I, I have thought about what what if I sanitize it you know manually delete all the variables and then just push it somewhere for them to import yeah export the copy out and then say hey part of this blog post here's a download link to this zip file and and someone could then import that flow into their environment and then just update them and then they'll need to the... yeah they'll need to set it up and then at least they could see if it will run on their environment mm-hmm. and that might give them some heads up and go okay in my flow over here i can't get it to work but i've got this one that's actually running correctly so they could then do that compare and say what am i doing wrong or how 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 is that expression written or I misunderstand what, oh, oh maybe John just said typos. <laughs> typos in his blog. I'm actually testing people, <clears throat> see if they're actually reading. Yeah, so whether they're actually reading it yeah, or not. Yeah, they're just, just a slightly bit on purpose. Yeah, I just, do you, um, what's the environmental aspect of it like? Like, it sounds like when you do an export, it's pulling, you know, the graph URLs, it's pulling out um, any of the environmentally kind of, Definite defined things in there. Mm. So, although you can move these things through environments, there's still going to be some work you have to do to go in and change URLs that point to maybe hard coded site collection URLs that don't exist in that environment and those kind of things. Mm. Is there um, this notion of variables or is it all kind of just in the properties of the actions? So, um, 
There are two parts to it. There are variables in the sense that within the flow, you could define variables and reuse them and then set them to a different value and reuse them. Yeah. And there is also the concept of a parameter. Parameter. And uh, the parameter is very visible if you are looking at it from logic apps. Like right at the root level, there is parameters. You could set them when you import and export them. They are right at the top. It's one of the first things you update. Yeah. Uh, so if you have your own personal client ID, client secret, that is the perfect place to put your parameters. Right. Um, in Flow right now, even though it's in the JSON, the export and import doesn't, it doesn't give you a way to set them. So it doesn't, when you're exporting a Flow, it doesn't say, oh, this Flow has parameters and, uh, you know, when define what, what actions to take when someone imports this Flow. Okay. So those bits are not there. I don't know whether it's coming, but yeah. I, I imagine uh, it's not. Uh, I'm going to bother them, put on the. I, I think it's a good feature that the Flow team should consider. So do that. they use? I mean, a lot of the Microsoft teams now have user voices. Flow got a pretty active user voice site. Not a user for it. They have an ideas forum. So in okay. the in the Flow Power users. Uh, most of the activity for Flow is in the Power Users Forum. Yeah. Uh, they share that with uh, Power Apps and mm -hmm. Flow. Yeah. Um, there is a tech community, but most of that is just redirect to... Oh, uh, so there's a so separate it, place. I didn't even know it's that. It's better to go to the Power Users. Okay. And then under Power Users, there is the Ideas Forum. And stuff we put in there, they get monitored. Uh, they are full-time. And, and I'm saying supporting a full time like following the blogs on office.com and the tech communities and stuff. There seems to be a good, I guess, one Microsoft approach to when a product comes out, they'll think about putting actions that are available in flow. Um, Planner. Yes. As an example, has forms. Act forms has them. SharePoint's obviously on board because they need to get the SharePoint designer monkey off their leg. Um, so, it, I, I mean, that's good. Are you seeing that more and more, that there's more yeah. actions coming? Yeah. So I think um, Flow is one of those products that I see that's truly cross-product yeah, inside yeah. Microsoft. Like I... There are a few examples. Microsoft Graph is another one yep. where you see, wow, here's one endpoint that spans across different products. Mm -hmm. And it makes the user of that product, like, so for Microsoft Graph, it makes the developer's job really easy. Yeah. Uh, for Flow, it kind of solved that itch that we've always had that we will say, well, we think SharePoint, the SharePoint workflow works great. Yeah. But the moment you want to step out, no, no, write your own activities. Uh, those actions just don't exist. And we feel like, well, why why do these two teams don't talk to each other? They, mm -hmm. You know, why? Because they're, they're not integrated. They're, they're separate buildings in Microsoft. Right, the separate buildings. Don't walk and, across buildings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I find that with, with a product like Flow, each team is investing into making sure their APIs are, their, their connectors to call their API yeah, yeah. to both, you know, update or retrieve mm -hmm. uh, entities from their various systems. And then using something like Flow, it lets Microsoft's customers then say, hey, we actually have licenses and we use right. product A. Say we use SharePoint and Dynamics. Yeah. And this is a very simple way to just change them. And they work, their support is 
Yeah, there was some uh, nice they're things. supported directly by both teams on both sides. Yeah, and you can build very compelling solutions that connects the both. Uh, yeah, yeah, because of all the out of the box stuff. Yes, it's kind of nice because you know, and again, like I know there's developers out there that would rather just build the whole thing. <clears throat> mm. But that's a lot of work now. Deploy it into a container and all custom code and chuck it in source control and you know they don't they feel like it's too dirty to go into a user interface and build their code using a designer and even you know maybe their Azure functions they don't even leave a browser to write the Azure function but I think the reality is is that there's so many scenarios where you can totally do that now um, from a freaking Chromebook in a browser and not even need a you know a real PC or a real Mac to write the code and and build these kind of very big business solutions in them and you know I've been at customer sites where I see it and you're like all right this is this is mainstream now this is not just a a cool thing where the Azure team built logic apps and flow to try and spin some meters in the Azure data centers. Like this is actually being used mm. really in, in real world scenarios. It's been great to follow you as someone that, you know, I've looked up to for a long time from a developer perspective mm. um, to take on something that is a bit more of a, you know, a power user tool that can also be a you know, really good tool for a developer as well. Yeah. Um, and with all the analytics that you talked about earlier on, like it's great to have that visibility into all the orchestrations that are firing and mm. the ability to build those custom actions. How would you recommend if devs are listening to this, they get started? Like where are the best resources to go follow to kind of build your first one, how to build your own custom action with Azure Functions? Like where is the best places to go for that? So if you're a developer coming to Flow, Definitely read the Logic App workflow definition. Read the whole document. It's long, but it's not. It doesn't scroll forever. There's, uh, there's about eighty functions on it. Just read through it. Yeah. Um, that was when I first read through it. That's when I realized there's a whole bunch of expressions that lets you deal with things like binary and essentially build your own web service. Mm-hmm. Um. Flow has triggers that handles the HTTP input as well as define HTTP output. You can easily do things like uh, when someone calls this URL, fetch my SharePoint document, and then just write that document to your output. Essentially, you have a proxy to, yeah, the, right. to a SharePoint file, and you could build that in three actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pulling out files that you may need to be used elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, Sometimes I build these things and I stop and I think, you know, I'm a developer. I could write this in Azure Functions, but in the time that I drag three boxes, <laughs> I'm still probably figuring out, do I use a file stream reader or is that called a stream writer? <laughs> oh no, that one only does text. Sorry, text writer is not the right one. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out binary. And when you're going to then, 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 deploy the code. and Right. I, I would deploy to Azure Functions. Yeah. But then you're thinking, well, then what format do I spit out? Is it just binary? Is it base 64? Do I, you know, there's mm-hmm. all these thoughts about and then while I'm still thinking on the other me that's in a parallel universe building a flow is <laughs> already moved on to the next problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there is that, I, I saw that as there's some things that are incredibly productive. Yeah. Um, and then n- understanding the expressions in- is important because as you're chaining connectors, you some you do need to t- 
tweak the parameters, trim half the string off to get what you want. Mm -hmm. Do if you're querying items from SharePoint list, uh, you may need to do some daytime manipulation to find like things that are updated in the last day. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing that, think about your time zone. So it, last day is not necessary. G GMT zero. Yeah, it's, right. It's, you know your time zone. Um, yeah, but you know beyond all that, that's a couple of expressions, and then it's it's finished. That's cool. So read do read the expressions, uh, and then the, the a good starting point for developers, I think, is the HTTP action. Yeah, and use that to call graph. Yeah, because you could just open up the graph explorer, work yep, out yep. the exact URL you want to call, yes. and then just move that into the action, and yep. then get assume that rest response is going to come out way like this and use it. Mm. That's really neat. Yeah, and then in the HTTP action, there's an authentication dropdown. Yeah. You can just tick that into Azure AD. Then it gives you two fields for client ID, client secret. Right. Fill those in and then and off you go. Just bang and you're done. Yeah. That's really neat. So uh, mm. you could get Graph working really quickly. That's really cool. I like it. Yeah. I wonder one day whether the Graph team will build like an action that has like type ahead as you're writing the URL into the action. That'd be pretty cool. That would need a fair bit of work in the UI, but... Um, I'm sure it's feasible. He's now looking at the sky, <laughs> thinking whether he can build this open source. No, no, <laughs> no. So um, how do people follow you? Where can we find you online? So you can find me on Twitter, uh, John and Liu. So there's a double N in the middle. Because there's uh, too many John Liu's in the world. I tried to track down the original John Liu. Yeah. He's an ex-Twitter engineer. Oh, well, then you're kind of hosed. <laughs> he doesn't even use it. <laughs> um, that poor guy is probably getting all these tweets about Microsoft Flow. No, he's not monitoring that account. So that, I, I feel a little bit better knowing that he's not getting spam. <laughs> flow spam. Inactive Twitter handles should be released to the public. Yeah, that's true. He's probably got some deal going with Jack or something like that. And uh, do you, you have a blog and stuff as well? I do. I blog on johnliu.net. Mm -hmm. And um, I do apologize that. So the way I work is I work after my kids sleep. Between 9 and 12, I will have a crazy idea. I'll build it out in flow. It will usually be finished by about midnight. You yeah. get that, Eureka, it's finished. <laughs> uh, it's midnight. Crap, what do I do now? Do I write a blog? If I write a blog now, that's going to be 3 a.m. <laughs> before I go sleep. I need to work tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, why don't I just take a few screenshots, throw on Twitter and run away? <laughs> so I've been doing that. You and then microblogging. Yeah, so, uh, very quick microblogging. I tried to paste the expressions into the image. So yeah. if you want to try it, just following my Twitter, that could work. You need to have a good imagination about all the missing stuff I <laughs> forgot to include. But generally, you could get the idea of what you need to do because flow is visual. Mm. right boxes that I don't expand you could just kind of imagine what it does and you can kind of guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have my other problem is you know once a tweet is off the stream for about a week nobody could find it right right so I thought well I need to write a blog post at some point so I actually wrote a flow looking at my own tweets <laughs> anything that has an image gets sucked down into my OneDrive put it into a folder and that's your to-dos yeah 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 with a bunch of images and the text that mm, I hilarious. use they all put into my folder sitting there waiting for me to actually turn them into a blog post it's actually just what I'm thinking can you trigger a flow from a Cortana action 
Not directly. I, I don't know, but I don't think so. Not directly. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. can trigger a flow with a HTTP trigger. So, uh, so, so anything yeah, could. that could call a URL, you yeah, can yeah. call a flow. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done much Cortana stuff. I've done Alexa skills development, but I haven't done Cortana. It'd be interesting to see like mm. yelling commands at your Windows 10 desktop PC to trigger actions and what you could do with that. Now I'm just going crazy mm. and I've just set you off with an idea. No, you should no, go buy one sh- of those hundred buck um, Harman Kardon Cortana speakers from Are the they- Microsoft store. Okay, they're 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 meant to be two hundred dollars, but they've been a hundred dollars since they shit they released them. I think they're struggling a bit. So I think because you live in America, you've forgotten what it's like in Australia. <laughs> no, no, I was you, know, ba- you remember the I first was there at Christmas? They had that Sonos's. It was kind of cute. I was like, welcome to the twenty third century. No, no, no. It's not that we don't have devices. It's just when you plug it in. It, it spins up and then it says, Cortana is not supported uh, in your country. Oh, I had that with Alexa. <laughs> I bought my parents the Sonos speaker right, with exactly. Alexa built in. Exactly. That's why I'm behind. I went don't... to configure it and Alexa wouldn't work. And it's like, come on, seriously, yeah, this is their Christmas present. So, yeah, I actually, I'm waiting. It's still not there. It, it's going to take a while, right. apparently. Amazon should be soon. I think the Amazon Echo works, but devices that have Alexa in it don't, unless it's okay. the Amazon device. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I'm that and the internet bandwidth in Australia was the bane of my existence. <laughs> I stayed with my parents three week, you know, for three weeks. It was good. People were like, did you have time off? I'm like, yeah, because I couldn't get on the internet at home. <laughs> <laughs> it explains all the crappy Skype calls I have with my family. Wow. The joys of Australia. I miss the weather and the people. Just not the internet and the lagging technology. People in America like this weather is not. I'm shaking my head outside <laughs> the window. It's just this is what it looks like most of the year, John. Yeah, it is yeah. pretty when you go on hikes and stuff. But there are days where I just want I just want sun because I live off sun. Mm. But um, I'm sure the podcast audience is bored of me complaining about the weather here. <laughs> I sound like a miserable Brit. It's like I left England for better weather in Australia and then came to Seattle. Go figure. Deep down, I must really like the rain. That's what it is. Oh, cool. Well, look, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time here for the summit and a uh, safe trip back. And um, thank you for the Tim Tams. I am not sharing those with anybody. <laughs> that's awesome and the digestive biscuits anyone from Britain is going to really kind of be jealous well probably not because they can go down to any store and buy them for 20 cents whereas here they're like 5 bucks a packet thank you so much thank you Jeremy cool cheers buddy bye I hope you enjoyed this episode if I could ask one favour please share this on your Twitter feed your LinkedIn feed or your Facebook feed just so that I can kind of grow my audience here and other people can benefit from the content I do with all the amazing people I interview